0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, August 28th, 2016. The Bible Meets Broadway, everyone has a backstory. Good morning, Connection Church. Welcome to week three, our final week of The Bible Meets Broadway. This has been such a fun series. And the musicians, the band, it has been so fun to put together. You know Diane, who is uh, an awesome keyboardist, and Stephanie, who's one of our lead singers. You might not have known Kylie Boggs. She's gonna be a senior at Middletown High School and uh, has been part of our church since just before Easter. We wanna thank all the musicians in the band to, for bringing us great music. Yeah, it's been awesome. So my name is Carrie Jones. I'm
1: Alan Jones.
0: And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for the opportunity to um, be creative, do something a little bit different, and find you in the midst of it because you are in the midst of everything. So we thank you. Open our hearts that we might receive what you have in store for us this day. And I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, Amen. Amen. The Bible meets Broadway. During this series, we've been taking a look at popular Broadway shows and then considering how, um, how Scripture interacts with that. We want to give a shout out to our girl, Courtney Parker. Courtney's an eighth grader at Reading Middle School, and she's the one who had this idea and brought it to the worship design team and did a lot of the details to make this series what it was. God uses all of us. And so Courtney is an eighth grader. She's not here right now because she's leading worship in the garage. And the thing about Courtney being creative, but she loves Jesus, so, uh, and I get to be her Aunt Carrie, so I'm a little partial.
1: There you go. Yeah. So this morning, we look at Wicked. Now, the musical Wicked is based on a book by that same title published back in 1995. It's, uh, it offers an alternative telling to the classic story, uh, The Wizard of Oz, told from the perspective of the witches, Beginning long before Dorothy uh, and, and and arrives and continuing to after how many have seen the movie Wizard of Oz, yeah, and how many have seen the play uh, this play yeah, we we chose this because we thought knowing most of you probably know the story of Wizard of Oz this would be an interesting kind of backstory on that the musical premiered uh, premiered on Broadway 2003, and 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 it is now the tenth longest running Broadway show of all time. So, there you go.
0: So, it's fully titled Wicked, the Untold Story of the Witches of Oz. And it tells not only of the unlikely friendship of Elphaba, the wicked witch of the West, and Glinda, the good witch, but it also tells of how the nice girl Elphaba comes to be known as wicked, reminding us that everyone has a backstory.
1: And so we want to give a quick disclaimer here, there's, contrary to this, the, to this concept here, there is no such thing as a good witch. Uh, witches are not godly. Practice of witchcraft opens the door to evil and spiritual forces that are the work of the evil one, not of God. In fact, there are several places in the Old Testament that speak against witchcraft, and in the New Testament, in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, Paul speaks against witchcraft along with other acts of the flesh. When he says this, he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, now check out this list that witchcraft is in with, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and... Witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of uh, rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Boy, that's quite a list, isn't it? Yeah. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, say it with me, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so, our purpose this morning is to not lift up or celebrate witchcraft in any way, but to focus on a theme of this story. It has universal application.
0: And so the Broadway show, Wicked, opens up with the people of Oz cheering the death of Alphaba, the Wicked Witch of the West. And then the good witch, Glinda, arrives and tells of the story of how they became best friends. And so the rest of the show is really um, a flashback, starting with the scene from college when Alphaba arrives. She was the daughter of the governor of Munchkinland, and um, it's heavily implied that she is the result of an affair between the governor's wife and a mysterious stranger and his bottle of green elixir, resulting (laughs) in Elphaba being born with green skin and consequently being different than everyone else. We find out later in the play that this mysterious stranger was none other than the Wizard of Oz himself.
1: Mm. Now Alphaba's father despised her, showed his affection, showered his affection on her younger sister, Nessa Rose, who was confined in a wheelchair. Dad gives Nessa Rose a pair of silver slippers which resurfaced later in the play, if you're familiar with the movie. In the movie, these were the pair of ruby red shoes. The headmistress of the school takes Nessa Rose under her protection, despite the objections of her sister, Alphaba, uh, who wants to protect her sister herself, which she's been doing for most of her life. Instead, Elphaba ends up with Glinda as her roommate to the disgust of both of them. The headmistress, Madame Morrible, recognizes that Alfaba has special powers and decides to teach her sorcery, even though Glinda had her heart set on studying magic at the school. And so the two girls end up clashing very harshly in the story.
0: So later at a dance, the girls showed each other kindness, and the bonding began. They became friends. And at that point, they go back to their room and Elphaba confesses that her father blames her for his mother's death, her mother's death resulting uh, from birthing her sister. And, and so they become this uh, bond of friends, mm. friendship.
1: Elphaba is invited to meet the Wizard of Oz. At this point, she doesn't know that he's her biological father. And she invites Glinda to join them. They find that he isn't all that terrifying or powerful. In fact, he has no powers at all other than the ability to manipulate people. In fact, yeah, part of that manip- uh, manipulation, he tricks Alphaba, who can cast spells, into casting a spell not just on the one monkey that she thinks she is casting it on, but on all of the monkeys giving them wings so that they can fly. Maybe you remember that from the movie. And uh, then he offers Alphaba uh, and, and, and Glinda everything they've ever wanted if they'll just help him. Alphaba recognizes that this is not a good thing. She doesn't trust him, and she runs away. Um, fearful that she will share the truth about the wizard, reports are then spread that Alphaba is wicked and not to be trusted, claiming that she is behind some of the things that have been happening in Ah, some bad things. And it's at this point that she's given the title, the Wicked Witch of the West. Glinda, on the other hand, has become the smiling public face of the not so good regime of the wizard. She's given the title Glinda the Good, the nation's defender against the wicked witch.
0: Sometime later, Glinda and Alphaba meet again at the site where Nessarose, Alphaba's sister, has been crushed under the house that's been transported by a tornado. Remember that? in the movie that's how the movie starts with that tornado so this is what happens before well there's a girl inside the house and her name is Dorothy yeah well there's some rivalry between Glinda and Elphaba over a love interest when they were in college and there was other drama but it's at that point where Elphaba makes a choice to live up to her reputation she makes a choice to take on the persona of this wicked witch of the West.
1: And so it's from this point that the citizens of Oz band together to help rescue Dorothy from the clutches of the wicked witch, who has in fact captured Dorothy and refuses to release her until Dorothy gives up the silver slippers. You know, the thing is, they're the only things left from Elphaba's dead sister. That's why she wants them. Glinda goes to Elphaba, warns her of the danger she faces from the people of Oz, tries to persuade her to let Dorothy go. They embrace for the last time, acknowledging they are who they are because of each other, through the song we heard just a few minutes ago, For Good is the song, and that line, But I know I am who I am today, because I knew you. I have been changed for good.
0: Dorothy throws a bucket of water on Alphaba. Remember this in the movie, I'm I'm melting, melting. I'm melting. Well, actually, it appeared that, but Elphaba escapes through a a trap door and is able to leave Oz behind and start a new life. Hmm.
1: It's an interesting spin on a well-known story with a lot more weaving in and out of the original tale then we want to take time to share this morning. The success of this show, it's 10th uh, most popular and uh, longest running show on Broadway, the success is due to the multiple themes and sub-themes that are kind of universal in nature that connect with many of us. Uh, as we set up from the theme that we're, the one theme of this show that we're going to focus on this morning is the idea that everyone has a backstory.
0: In this tale, wicked, we find a girl rejected by her father, blamed for her mother's death when it wasn't her fault, made a scapegoat to protect the reputation of this conniving wizard of Oz, and finally attacked by a town because all she wanted was her sister's slippers, that keepsake, and Dorothy had them in her possession. And overriding all of this, Elphaba is green. And her greenness certainly was a source of discrimination. She was set apart. She was different than everyone else. And so at some point, Elphaba, like decided to embrace this self-fulfilling prophecy, those tapes that she heard, those things that people were projecting upon her. Have you ever been involved in anything like that, like a self-fulfilling prophecy? It's like, okay, that's me. No, it's not. No, it's not. There was a self-fulfilling prophecy that that I heard. I, I remember after high school, I'm sitting with my advisor at the University of Delaware, and she said, you will never make it through the very rigorous program of nursing at University of Delaware. You'll not make it. You're not college material for this program. And I thought, wow, okay, wow. I bought it for a little while, and then something came inside of me. And I thought, no, that is not me. I was called to be a nurse, and to her uh, wrongness, (laughs) graduated and got my degree and became a nurse but I bought that for a while and thought I was dumb no have you ever bought uh, old tapes people putting things on you and believing it that is not you you are not what everybody else says you are and who you are you are a child of the Most High God you matter you matter. Now, all that stuff that happened to Alphaba, it's not an excuse for her to behave that way, not an excuse at all. But what it tells us and shows us is that sometimes there are reasons why people are the way they are, because everyone has a backstory.
1: Mm. We all have a backstory, every one of us. Each of us is who we are as a result uh, of each and everything that has happened to us up to this point in time, all of our relationships, all of our experiences, all of our triumphs, all of our challenges. It's like Elphaba and Glinda came to realize that they were who they were because of each other, but you know, it goes much, much further than just a single relationship, much further, with the accumulation of all our experiences, all our relationships. You ever look back and done the if only? If only I had, or maybe more often, if only I hadn't. (laughs) If only I hadn't. But you know the trouble with that is you want to just change that one little moment, that one little decision, that one little opportunity. But that's not how it works, because once you change one thing, everything else since then. Changes. It's, it's not in isolation. It's a cumulative package. So you can't just change one thing. You can't go back and change it.
0: Our reality is that we can't go back and we can't change things. We can't make our past better. Our past is our past. As much as we'd like it to not be, it is what it is. And we are who we are as a result of that. You know, my backstory of, of miscarriages and personal challenges um, have certainly shaped me and not necessarily for the bad, even some of the bad stuff, because it can all be used in one way or another. One of the scriptures that I've held on to for a really, really long time really speaks to that, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose.
1: And so our challenge then is to realize that the person we see today is the result of a lot of stuff from yesterday. Uh, And um, oftentimes it's stuff we don't get to see stuff we're unaware of, stuff that we have no knowledge of. And it's so easy for us to judge, to make assessments, to label someone without knowing why they act as they do, why they are who they are, without knowing their backstory. And just like the backstory, uh, this uh, backstory, Wicked, helps us understand why Alphaba Elf- became who she became Knowing someone's backstory might help us to better understand them, help us better appreciate the challenges they've faced, and to realize why they deal with the world the way they do, why they act the way they act. You know, it might not be an excuse for how they act, but it certainly would help us understand why they act like they do.
0: There are so many characters in the Bible that we can learn from, and everyone in the Bible has a backstory, and those stories come in all shapes and in all sizes. Moses had a backstory. He was—he um, grew up as the grandson of a pharaoh, but Moses also uh, killed an Egyptian and then ran for his life. God used Moses for good. David had a backstory which included King Saul throwing spears at him, trying to kill him at a very young age. And um, it included David taking sexual advantage of a married woman and then sending her husband up to the battlefront to be killed. God used David, despite David's mess, for good. Joseph... Had a backstory. Joseph had jealous brothers who sold him into slavery. He was wronged. The, and it also included Joseph going to jail because he wouldn't sleep with his master's wife. His backstory uh, also included the Pharaoh making him the second most powerful person in Egypt and then having those same brothers come and beg, asking for a favor. They needed food. God used Joseph's backstory for good. Mary Magdalene had a backstory. Her backstory consisted of being possessed by seven demons. Her story also included those seven demons being exercised by Jesus Christ himself. And through her backstory, we realize that Jesus' love covers everything, redeems everyone, even you, even me.
1: (laughs) Everyone in the Bible has a backstory. Some involve bad things that the person has done. Others involve bad things that have been done to the person. Either way, though, when we give our backstories to God, God can use them for his good for His greatness, for His glory. And God can use them as He redeems that person as well as others around that person. As we've said before, God never wastes a hurt, whether we're the one hurting or if we're responsible for the hurt. God can somehow use those backstories for good even when we can't even begin to imagine how God might be able to do that. You know, no matter what we've done or what we've experienced, God can teach us something. Maybe it's increased faith, dependence on Him. Perhaps it's freeing us from a situation that's kept us from loving, forgiving the way that we should. Perhaps it's recognizing some good boundaries and giving us peace in our spirit. Once again, that scripture, Romans 8 28. Say it with me, will you? And we know. Hello that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose.
0: So I shared a couple of weeks ago that I'm kind of in a a bad place right now. I think some of my backstory might be catching up with me, sweeping things under, not dealing with some things. But the really good news The really good news is the one with the ultimate backstory. Jesus. Jesus, God in the flesh, walking with us, walking with you in the world. Jesus, born of a virgin, introduced to the world with a heavenly choir, and he was visited by some common local shepherds as well as some wise men from afar. And in three short years, he turned the world upside down, forgiving sins, healing ills, casting out demons. Oh, what good news all that is. And then his own people called for his own crucifixion. And they nailed him to the cross to suffocate, to die. And after three days in the tomb, he overcame death itself as he was resurrected. And he ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And he lives. He lives. He lives right here, right now. Jesus is alive. He lives for you. He lives for me. He knows our backstories. And loves us through our backstories whether we've been hurt or whether we're the ones that have done the hurting and he is able to forgive he is able to heal he is able to repair he is able to redeem there is not a single back story not a single hurt, not a single mistake, not a single word spoken, not a single word not spoken that cannot be healed, that cannot be redeemed, that cannot be forgiven, that cannot be made right. And it's all through the power of God, through Jesus Christ, His Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus brings salvation through His life and death and resurrection. And that is good news for us because no matter what backstory we bring, Jesus can use that for the good.
1: Hmm. So the question for today is, what about you and your backstory? Have you given any thought to that? How has your backstory shaped who you are today is is your story full of hurt others hurting you you hurting others and so how have you dealt with that have you dealt with it have you faced it or have you hidden from it run, run from it ignored it see these are the very things that keep us from fully experiencing the new life that Jesus offers to each and every one of us very things that keep us in bondage to past, to the past, and prevent us from becoming fully devoted followers who are sold out for Jesus Christ. Here's the most important question this morning. Are you ready to give your backstory to Jesus? Are you ready to share who you are, where you've been, what you've done? Are you ready to share your burden with Jesus, whatever it might be? Ready to let go of whatever it is that you've been carrying from the past, the hurt you've received or the hurt you've inflicted? Are you ready to seek forgiveness? Are you ready to forgive yourself? Keep in mind that definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. Are you ready to let Jesus do what Jesus does best? And that means to love you right where you are, flaws and all. Are you ready to stop saying no? to the loving, forgiving, eternal relationship that Jesus offers.
0: I was recently talking to somebody about my backstory and they asked me a question that kind of was like, what? But they said, do you trust God enough to give him your backstory? She didn't use the backstory word, but to give him what it is. And at first it's like, oh, yeah, but I had to think about that because there's some stuff. Do I trust God enough? Do you trust God enough to give God a piece of yourself as much as you're willing to give today? Just one step, one step, one step. That's all we need to do. One more step. And eventually... It becomes the whole thing. So what does that look like? You might say, um, first of all, it's a conversation with God and it, it might look like this. Okay God, I'm a mess and I have some stuff that I'm not sure what to do with and I'm really sorry that I have been depending on myself more than you. I'm going to give you my backstory. I'm going to give you my life, as much as I can give right now. And thank you for the grace that covers me, grace that love that I can't do anything except receive. I can't pray enough or read the Bible enough because you just give it. So I want to say thank you. And I trust you. That's the kind of conversation you can have with God. God's ready through Jesus Christ, his son, and through the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us share. He is ready to redeem, to forgive, to bring joy and peace to your life. And that is such good news. Do you agree?
1: Thank you for joining us for our podcast.